this week is week 11 on our, our, our Empowered series. Last week, Pastor Doug spoke um, on chapter 10 of Acts. Today, we'll be speaking on chapter 11. Uh, Pastor Doug spoke about Peter and him going to Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and how Peter's initial thought was like, no, like, I'm not supposed to do that. That's unclean. Why would I do that? And God told him, do not call something unclean what I have called clean. And it kind of gave Peter a different perspective and opened his eyes to a whole new, another realm and opportunity to preach the gospel. And actually, the beginning of Acts chapter 11, Peter has gone back to the brothers in Christ, and they're kind of accusing him of like, hey, why did you go over there to the Gentiles, to the unclean, and, and start preaching to them? You're not supposed to do that. He's like, well, God told me to do that, and when I did that, uh, and I just started speaking to them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they started speaking in tongues. And it's like, so if the Holy Spirit is going to come on them, who are we to deny them what God wants for them? And the believers are like, oh, okay. Praise God for that. Praise God for the Jews who believe and praise God for the Gentiles believe. So it changed a whole lot of perspective in that. But today we're going to be focusing on the latter half of Acts chapter 11. So if you follow along here, we're going to start in verse 19. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So have you ever thought about that, where the term Christian came from? I actually started right here, in Antioch, is when they were first given that name as Christians. And it was given to them, actually, by unbelieving Gentiles, people that didn't know God, and it was actually a derogatory term. Like, oh, you guys are, and Christian means follower of Christ. And they were like, oh, you guys are, you guys are followers of Christ, aren't you? And like, you don't do what we do. You don't talk like we talk. And actually, the believers were like, well, actually, we kind of like that. Yeah, that's, that's what we are. We're followers of Christ. We'll take that. We'll receive that nickname, that derogatory name. Have you ever been called something before and we're like oh, I'm not not too not too upset about that one actually <laughs> I was in uh, when I was in high school I was on the golf team and I was a my my forte was being able to hit the ball far couldn't couldn't chip it couldn't putt it but I could hit the ball far still how I operate but I had a friend in high school he'd just look at me man you hit the ball so are you on steroids or something like 
Like, no, I'm not on steroids. He's like, okay, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to call you J-roids from now on. I was like, I was like, oh, okay, I kind of like that. Yeah, keep going. I've actually been continued to be called that for quite a while. My brother still calls me that. Sometimes he actually, it's like, oh, you're, you're on. You're like getting some roid rage there, Jimmy. I was like, shut up. No. <laughs> but unbelievers uh, or the Gentiles there gave them that name Christians because they recognized that they were followers of Christ. And what they meant as a derogatory term, we now wear as a badge of honor. And they wore as a badge of honor. Yes, that is what I am. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm, that's awesome that you recognize that. Thank you. <laughs> so that's where that came from. And it came from, you know, they're here in Antioch all because of the persecution of Stephen. So I want to go back to that, which actually happened in Acts chapter 6. We're going to go back to the persecution of Stephen. Now, Stephen was not an apostle. And the apostles, uh, I think we went over a few weeks ago, came up to this situation where they were spending a lot of time serving food and doing things other than reading the word and teaching the word. And they said, this is not what we should be doing. We're supposed to dedicate our time to the word and teaching the word. So let's choose some other people to serve food and, and serve people in this way. So Stephen was one of these people that was chosen to serve food. But I want to show you here in Acts 6, starting in verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Funny how it doesn't reference here that he was serving food. I know he was serving food, but he was also in the midst of doing what his duty was. He was doing signs and wonders. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and those from Cis. Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Does this sound familiar? Hmm. So people could not dispute the truth that was coming out of Stephen's mouth. They could not dispute the works that he was doing by the power of God. So the only thing they could do was lie about him. And Stephen kind of brings a, a defense, and he just kind of goes through the history of Israel and how God saves them out of Egypt and down on through the line. And he ends his defense with this. You stiff-necked people, in Acts chapter 7, actually 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now, the religious people, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Yuck. I hate grinding teeth. I don't know about you guys. But he fell, or but he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God 
and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I'll just point out that this is the only time in Scripture where it says that Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Other places it says that he's seated at the right hand of God. But I just, I see Jesus like proud at this moment. And like cheering Stephen on. Yeah, that's, that's my boy. So he stands and he's cheering Stephen on. But the religious leaders, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Man, just so representative of what Jesus did himself. Acts chapter uh, 8, verses 1. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church of Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So this is the persecution of Stephen. And I just want to let you know, I think we can all surmise that Stephen was not persecuted for serving food. It was because he was doing signs and wonders, preaching the good news. But I want to highlight this part here just in Acts um, 8.1, the latter part there. It says, And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Except the apostles. So the apostles were the leaders of the faith. And they remained in Jerusalem. They did not scatter. Now, the other people, they kind of got afraid and they scattered, but I want us to focus in on this. As we were reading in chapter 11, and where it was first mentioned that they were called Christians, and the church of Antioch was established, it was established not by the leaders. It was established just by other believers who others recognized were followers of Christ. I don't know if that's on your notes, but the church in Antioch was established by other believers. It was not established by the apostles. It was not established by the leaders. And I think sometimes we kind of get this misunderstanding that the kingdom of God, the church of God, the church is only grown and established by the leaders. Well, that's Pastor Doug's job to grow the church, to grow God's kingdom, or Pastor Cameron with the youth, or Pastor Jimmy, whoever it may be. Or maybe you think that there's a special gifting or a special anointing that you have to have to be able to do that. Or maybe you just have to level up in your faith. How many gamers are in here? You know that when you level up, you get a new ability, right? Yeah, go on. So maybe we think we have to level up to gain this new ability to make an impact for God and to grow his kingdom or that you have to be a certain person, but that's just not true. See, we each have the ability right now to grow God's kingdom where God has placed us. It's not just the leaders or it's not just the 
specially anointed or the ones that are leveled up. God has called each and every one of us. In Acts chapter 11, 21, it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. See, we don't do it by our own power. It's not on your power, your ability. It's on his ability working through you. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. We are empowered to be influencers and to do and to do the work of the ministry. We, right now, are empowered to reach people for God. You know, influence, is? influence is the ability to end, impact other people. Influence is the ability to impact other people. There's a lot of people out there today that would try to proclaim themselves as influencers, especially when you get on social media. Social media influencers. And they're either trying to get you to believe something or buy something. Usually try to buy something. And um, social media influencer bases their, uh, their, I don't know, what would you say, their influence, their popularity on the amount of followers they have, right? I have a thousand followers, so that means, you know, I'm somebody. Or I have a million followers, that means, you know, that must mean what I'm talking about. I watched this one. Maybe some of you have seen it, but this girl was giving a tutorial on how to do her hair. And she's got this hot iron, and she starts doing it, and a chunk of her hair falls off. She just gives this blank stare. Maybe I don't want to listen to what you're <laughs> instructing. But social media influencers, they measure their success by the amount of followers they have. God is not as concerned with the amount of followers that we have. He may have just placed one or two people around you that he's called you to influence, to speak to. And I said this last service, I want to say it again, but I want to speak to parents. I think a lot of times we marginalize our impact and our influence and the importance of it uh, that we have to our kids. First and foremost, as parents, our first mission field is the home. And we need to recognize that it is valuable time that we have with these highly influenced people where they're shaped and formed and it's an integral part and stage of their life where we can sow into and feed into and teach them the word of God and teach them truth so they can know who they are in Christ, so they can know what their true identity is. We got an entire generation now that is struggling with identity. So don't diminish your role as a parent and helping your kid know the truth of what the Bible says and who they are in Christ. So I want to highlight this again. So even though Stephen was assigned to serve soup or whatever he was serving, I don't know, bread, soup and bread. Today seems like a soup and bread day. Yesterday was like a, a hamburger and hot dog today. Today is a soup and bread day. But even though he was doing that, he seized the opportunity to do more. He saw people coming through his, his line, hurting, broken, 
needing prayer, needing healing, and he sees the opportunity to do that. Sometimes I think we also get a misconception uh, of what ministry of God is. We think, ah, oh, the ministry of God is preaching up on stage or being on the worship team, which is a part of it, but that's not in in its entirety. Ministry, actually, if you look it up in the Greek, it's diaknia, which means service or ministry, and it's more specifically referenced in in uh, the New Testament as of those who by the command of God proclaim and promote the gospel among men. But this word actually is kind of, uh, has more of a common use, which just meant like kind of like to wait tables, just to serve somebody. And that's what the ministry of God is. It's serving people, serving them where they need their needs met. Serving people where they need their needs met. And that could be serving soup. could be mowing somebody's lawn. It could be praying for somebody. It could be doing any number of different things. It's not standing up here on stage and speaking or on worship. It's so much more. So, where do we start? I want to go back to the believers that were scattered in Antioch here. A moment. So, where was this place that uh, they fled to? Basically, Antioch was the capital of a Roman of the Roman province of Syria, and it was a wealthy city, a lot of wealth. It was also a city that lacked morals and was very promiscuous. It did have a large Jewish population, though. So you've got this city that you know quite. Not good, <laughs> in other terms. Worshiping a bunch of other gods, doing a bunch of things that are not good, and they're recognizing these new people in town that aren't doing the things that they do and acting the way that they act, so they call them Christians. Oh, how dare those Christians. So they find themselves in this city, and this is what they did. They recognized that this was a great opportunity to share the gospel. I want to tell you right now that where you are, where God has placed you right now, is a great place to start sharing the gospel. And I want to say that sharing the gospel isn't necessarily preaching all the time or speaking to somebody. People need to know and experience the love of God more than they just need to hear it. It's important to hear it, but they need to experience it. We are supposed to be the light of the world. We had a great men's meeting a week or so ago, and we spoke about we are supposed to be salt and light. Salt and light. And Bobby had a great illustration when we were there that the, the human eye in complete darkness can see a single candle. What was it, 30 miles away, Bobby? 30 miles away. And as the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. We're able to see it more. And we're supposed to be the light. And that's not necessarily speaking all the time. It's acting. I can guarantee you that those who fled to Antioch were not called Christians because of the way they spoke or just spoke, but how they lived, how they acted, how they loved. There's an entire world right now that is needing the love of God, is needing to see and experience the love of God. And God has placed you 
specifically where you're at because the people around you need to experience the love of God that comes through you. I had a neighbor, um, and I've had a couple opportunities in my neighborhood to talk with people about Jesus and, and, and share in, in different ways. But a few years ago, I had a neighbor that I hadn't really had an opportunity to talk with um, come up to me and said, hey, I heard you were a pastor. And this was several years ago where I, I wasn't at all. He's like, no, not a pastor. I, I just love Jesus and try to, try to serve him. He's like, oh, okay, well, can you pray for me? I was like, of course I can. What's, what's going on? And he told me that the week previous, and I had no idea, told me that the week previous that his wife had passed away. So I prayed with him, just prayed God's comfort over him, God's encouragement for him, and ultimately that he would come to the knowledge of Christ. Um, but that came about, God sent him to me. And it came by not me going door to door, knocking, you need to know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. No, it came by me uh, representing Christ in the way I lived. If you represent Christ in the way you live, people will come knocking on your door. The way you live is more impactful than what you say. The other day, my I was having a conversation with my wife, and um, I was telling her something, and my daughter, Brielle, was over, I think, playing a game or doing, doing some art, She's either doing one of those two things. So I was having this conversation with my wife, and I said something kind of funny, and then later on, my wife came up to me, and she said, you know that Brielle came up and repeated you know, what you said, and I was like, what? I didn't even think she was paying attention. Like, well, apparently she was paying attention. She thought whatever you were saying was funny. It's like, oh, okay. But um, people are paying, atten paying attention to our lives. Even if we don't think they are, they are. They're looking at us, and if we're professing Christ, they're looking and saying, are they truly believers? Do they walk according to what they say or what I interpret the Bible to say? People are paying attention. And we have a unique opportunity. You have a unique opportunity to shine for Jesus, to share the love of Christ right where you're at. God has placed each and every one of you in a specific community, whether it be in your neighborhood in which you live, the community of people that you work with or go to school with, whatever it is. And I want to also say this, that God has given each and every one of you a unique ability and talent to minister to the people that he has placed around you. Think of this. God has placed you in a specific place, knowing the talents that he has given you to reach the people that is around you. So the certain talents that God has given you, think about those. And then think about how you can use those talents to reach the people around you. He's done that for a purpose. So God had a plan even before you were alive. He was like, I'm going to place Christian in this community of techie people, <laughs> which I'm not a techie person, techie people, to be able to be a light for me, 
And he's not going to talk the way they talk. He's not going to live the way they live. But he's going to be a light in that darkness. And people are going to come to him. God has given you each unique abilities to reach the people around you. I also want to just say, don't downplay your role in building God's kingdom. Don't downplay the significance that you have. It could be just one that you impact. But if you impact one that comes to Christ, that's an eternal significance. I know that Billy Graham had a friend, had a friend who brought him to church. If that was the only friend that that, if Billy Graham was the only friend that this guy brought to church, do you think it was worth it? You have no idea the impact that you have or the chain reaction that you could start by you being an influence to those few people around you. Jesus actually commissions us to do this. Jesus commissioned us to minister and influence. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has commissioned us to be an influence and to minister, to serve and recognize he goes with us. It's not in our own ability. It's not under our own power. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember when we started this whole series all the way back in Acts chapter 1 where it says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes on us to be witnesses for him. And not just in word, witnesses for him and in acts and dedication to the word itself. In Numbers 3, if you have time, I would read through that. But it talks about responsibility. It's also our responsibility to shine for Jesus and to be an influence to build his kingdom. But in Numbers 3, it talks about the Levites. And there was three clans of Levites, and each one had a um, different responsibility that they had regarding the, the care of the tabernacle. Each one had a specialized area that they were responsible for, and they needed to trust that the other clan was doing their job, and that clan was there doing their job, and they trusted that they were doing their job. And that provided for the success of the tabernacle. And that allowed the priests to minister to God in the proper way. That allowed them to make the sacrifices that were necessary to atone for the sins of the people because everybody else was doing their job. The success of God's kingdom is not just based on one or two people. It's based on all of us, the believers, where the Holy Spirit empowers us 
strengthens us and uses us to spread the gospel. I want you this week to pray and ask God, God, what are the spe- like specific and unique abilities that you've given me? Maybe he's given you a unique ability to make $500 pies that you're gonna bring on May 21st. Maybe he's given you unique ability to buy $500 pies. I don't know. Or mow somebody's lawn or pray for somebody or give somebody an encouraging word. But he's given each and every one a unique ability. I want you to pray this week. God, what, what have you gifted me with? And then I want you to pray and ask God, God, how can I use that gift? How can I use that ability to bless and serve those that you've placed around me. The believers in Antioch recognized their opportunity. We need to recognize our opportunity and recognize that it is currently right now a good opportunity to reach the world. We have the ability, we have the power, power, and we also have the authority. I want you to know that. Jesus says, I have all authority, therefore go. Meaning, the authority that I have, I give to you to shine bright, to be an influence. So we have the ability, the power, and the authority. And I wanna tell you this, Satan doesn't want this to happen. So he will come and try and dissuade you and lie to you saying, you're not good enough, you're not clean enough, you're not holy enough, you're still working on these things and in your life you haven't leveled up, you can't do this, but that's a lie. Regardless of where you're at, you can still shine for God. You can still be an influence. You can say, yeah, I know I haven't gotten this quite right in my life yet, but God is still working on me. Maybe let's work on it together. God wants to use you. Satan doesn't want you to be used. But we each have the ability, power, and authority in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. So we each have this unique opportunity, especially in this world. It seems just like people are hungry and are lost, confused, and don't know which way is up, don't know which way is down, been fed all these different things. What is light? What is dark? We don't know. We are the light of the world. We have the truth, the truth. There's so many opinions nowadays, but none of them are truth. The only opinion that really counts is God's opinion. (laughs) So we have a unique opportunity to be light, to be salt. And I just want to uh, just say that, you know, the good news is so good and we each have it. Have to share it verbally and in works and deeds and to be the love of Christ to people. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't even know what this good, good news is, what the good news is. And I want to just tell you today the good news is Jesus decided to come down to earth pay the price 
die for our sins, says the wages of sin is death. That means when we sin, we've earned death. We've earned separation from God. We've earned our ticket to hell. And Jesus said, no, I wanna pay that price. And that's what he did. He came down to earth. He died for our sins. He took upon himself our sins. He said, I'm gonna pay that price so that relationship can be restored back to me. And all they have to do, all we have to do is accept that gift. Accept that gift. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you've never accepted that free gift of salvation from Jesus and you want to, you wanna say, yes, I want my sins to be wiped away. I wanna accept that, that gift that Christ gave me when he died on the cross. Could you just raise your hand? I wanna know who I'm praying with this morning. Is there anybody like that who wants to say yes? I see that hand, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll wait a few moments here. Amen, I see that hand, thank you. Thank you. Jesus wants you to be free. Free from sin, free from condemnation, guilt, free to worship him, free to live in him. If there's any online this morning as well, we can all pray this prayer together. Now these aren't magic words, but if you confess, if you believe in your heart, what you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And I'll tell you this, that um, no power in hell can take that salvation from you. So let's pray this together. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Jesus, thank you for choosing to pay for my sin, to set me free, and to restore relationship to you. Please forgive me of my sin. I promise to serve you. I make you my king, my boss, my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's the best thing you can ever do, is accept the free gift. And now, now guess what? Now that you've accepted that free gift, you can freely share it. And you have the ability, you have the power and the authority to do so, to share that free gift. That's the great greatness about that gift is he's given it to us to share. So I wanna just end with some worship today. And uh, as we do, I wanna just invite the prayer team up. If you have any need that you want prayer for, physical, spiritual, mental, please come get prayer. But let's finish with just worshiping our God and being filled with his presence and goodness this morning, amen.